Hey, this is Kevin Weatherby of Save the Cowboy. I want you to tow that stirrup, throw a leg over the candle, take a deep seat, and pull your hat down tight. I ain't gonna tolerate no whining or griping, so let's all strike a long trot down that narrow trail and learn how to ride with God. Come on! What you waiting on? Let's go. If you're a little squeamish, um, you might want to start playing a game on your phone or something for about the next five minutes. Um, yeah, it's going to get pretty rank here for a second, but, but, it's, but it's all good. It's all good. So uh, whenever I was about 10 years old, I'm, I'm guesstimating, so that would have been about 13 years ago. Um, inside joke. Uh, I was about 10 years old. I went to the, took a couple of pigs to the San Angelo Livestock Show. And um, me and dad had got up one morning and we had fed, you know, getting ready for the show and all of that. And we happened to walk across and go to, you know, bathroom that was kind of like a glorified porta potty. But, you know, it was outside, in other words, and it's not like we were inside of a building. And so anyway, we went in there and as I was walking out, dad and his best friend, Jimmy Farmer, were, were still in the bathroom and I walked out. And I saw this guy, and of course, it's, it's paved right there. And I walked out, and like, nobody else, I mean, it must have just happened. There's an older gentleman, and he is face down on the ground, blood everywhere. And I remember looking at him, and it's like nobody else had even seen him yet. And so I turned around, and I went back in, and I was like, Dad. And he said, what? And I said, there's, there's a guy laying on the ground out here, and he's covered in blood. And my dad at the time was the elected sheriff in, in Big Lake, Texas, where I was raised. And dad runs outside, and Jimmy runs outside, and they turn this guy over, and they check his pulse, and he doesn't have a pulse. And so Jimmy starts chest compressions on him, and my dad uh, starts giving, you know, rescue breathing mouth to mouth, uh, giving him CPR. And you know, they're, they're hollering, or not them, but by this time more people are gathered around. And, you know, there, there was a time, youngsters, that you had to go find a, what was called a landline <laughs> to call 911, okay? It's not like you just pull out a cell phone and dial 911. You know, somebody call 911, right? And, <laughs> well, it wasn't that. It was only 13 years ago. But uh, anyway, so, so dad, I, I'm 10 years old, and I'm watching my dad you know, basically try to keep somebody alive. And they're sitting there, and you know, it takes a little while for the paramedics to get there. And it, you know, as this stuff is happening, you know, stuff is, it's happening quick, but it's kind of going in slow motion at the same time. And then I see something. My dad is giving this guy rescue breathing, mouth to mouth. And I didn't know that this was possible. Dad told me later that it's pretty common. But as dad is doing that while they're trying to save his life, that guy pukes in my dad's mouth. And my dad just turns and just spits it out and goes right back to giving him mouth to mouth. And I asked him later, I said, Dad, how were you able to do that? And he goes, son, somebody was dying. He said, I never thought twice about it. He said, it's gross now that I think about it. But at the time, he said, you don't think about stuff like that. You just do what needs to be done. And you know what? I have thought about that so many times in my life. Whenever I'm doing things that are very difficult and I just want to quit. And I think, you know what? If my dad can give a stranger that's covered in blood, because he you know, just shattered his face whenever he fell, if he can put mouth on a stranger's mouth covered in blood, get puked on in your mouth, spit it out, and keep going, I can keep going. 
You know, there, there's this thing called resiliency. And I think that it's, it, it's, it's very uncommon in today's day and age of the ability to keep going no matter what happens. And there have been so many times in my life that that must have been very obviously, it was very impactful in my life that I still think about it a lot more than 13 years later. A lot more than 13 years later. Today, that's what we're going to talk about, is how to remain resilient in a world that, is, that, that just, it celebrates, it nearly wants people to quit. Man, if you don't like what you're doing, just quit. If you don't like the way things are going, just quit. If it gets too hard, just quit. And you hear me say this all the time. We live in a push-button society that everything is geared towards making things easy. But at the same time, man, being a Christian, it's not easy. It's called the hard, narrow trail for a reason. It's a hard, narrow trail, not the wide road to destruction that many search for the narrow trail and few find it. And I think the reason that few find it is because it's difficult. And you must remain resilient. Today, we're going to talk about five ways with Scripture of how we can keep going no matter what. Some of them will be very obvious, but there will be one or two that will make you kind of go, hmm, well, I'm not so sure about that, but just bear with me while we talk about it. And the very first one that we're going to talk about, really, it had to do with, with Dad that day. And the first thing, if you want to be able to remain resilient, to keep going no matter how hard it gets, is one of the, the key things that you have to do is you have to care about something other than yourself. you got to put somebody else first. We, we will never remain resilient by focusing on ourselves because you know what? <laughs> I know I'm not the only one, but I can come up with a thousand excuses not to do what I should be doing. You know, like whenever you're like, oh, yeah, I'm going to start working out. I'm going to start tomorrow. You're gung-ho until tomorrow comes, right? You can always figure out a reason not to do something. But if you start focusing on somebody else, care about something other than what you're going through, be amazed at how far you can go. It really is a mystery that we are most fulfilled while in service to others, yet this world will tell you to find fulfillment for yourself. Do it for you. All of this stuff. But, and, and I think that that's, Christians understand that, that have experienced that level of fulfillment when, it had, when there was absolutely zero benefit to themselves, but they were able to do something for somebody else. There's a guy named Steve Gordon, who's a, just a great friend of mine. We, uh, we go down to uh, Northern California. Uh, and helping brand every year, and Steve went me went with me to our to the orphanage that we support in Chihuahua, Mexico. And on the last night, um, he told me he said, "You know," he said, "I kind of feel bad." I was like, "Why do you feel bad?" And he said, "Because I came here thinking that I was going to make a difference in these kids' lives." And he said, "Now I realize that it's these kids that made the big difference in my life." And I said, Steve, that's what happens when you give yourself and with no thought of getting anything in return, when you give yourself wholeheartedly to something bigger than yourself, that is what happens as you find personal fulfillment. It's powerful to know that we can make a huge difference if these, in this world if we just get past ourselves. 
Because left to our own devices and focused on our own selves, I promise you, you might be able to go for a little while, but it's too easy to find excuses to quit. But when it's somebody else and you're giving for the right reasons, it's amazing what kind of blessings you will experience. So how do we quit thinking about ourselves? Okay, now I'm not saying that, you know, we should like never take care of ourselves. Of course we should, okay? But there's a difference in taking care of yourself and focusing 100% on yourself. How do we quit thinking of only ourselves? Well, in 1 Corinthians 10, 24, um, Paul says, don't be concerned for your own good, but for the good of others. Don't be concerned for your own good, but for the good of others. And see, that, that's what's crazy is that when we put others first, it, that's when we find the fulfillment and when we do it for the right reasons without any expectation of return, man, when you give yourself to something bigger than yourself, it's amazing the fulfillment that you'll find because you know what? You'll reap what you sow. And when you give like that, you would be amazed at what comes back and the blessings that you'll, you'll receive, experience, whatever works for you. How do we remain resilient? We've got to care about something bigger than ourselves, a cause to believe in, a cause to give your life to, you know, kind of like Christ. What other ways can we use to remain resilient? You know, th this one right here, I think that if, if we want to continue and go on without stopping, without quitting, without making excuses, is to focus on what we can control to focus on what we can control. Because the number one reason we quit is because we put too much emphasis on trying to control what we have zero control over. We live in the greatest country probably in the history of the world. Even our poorest of the poor are more rich than 99% of the rest of the world. And yet we have the highest rate of anxiety and depression. And I think it's because a lot of times we only focus on what we cannot control instead of putting our efforts into what we can. You know, it, it becomes too daunting and it seems impossible. Well, that's because it is. You'll never succeed in controlling something that you cannot control. I mean, I know that that sounds so basic, but ask yourself, how many times have you just you know, lost it inside, outside, over something that you cannot control. It happens. It happens. I mean, think about this. Anybody ever heard of the serenity prayer, right? I mean, m most of y'all, most of y'all older folks have. If you younger haven't, let me read it to you. Actually, I found out who, who actually wrote the serenity prayer. His name is Reinhold because he's got like a lot of consonants that don't go together, and a lot of vowels that shouldn't go together, and they just like kind of scrambled them up. So I don't know what his last name is. But this is a serenity prayer. And I know you've heard it, but have you heard it all? Listen to this. Talking about focusing on what we can control. God, grant me the serenity to accept the things I cannot change, courage to change the things that I can, and the wisdom to know the difference. Living one day at a time, enjoying one moment at a time. Now, most people stop, you know, right there when it says, God grant me the serenity to accept the things I cannot change, courage to change the things I can, and the wisdom to know the difference, right? That's where most people stop. But I think the rest of it is beautiful. And the wisdom to know the difference, living one day at a time, 
enjoying one moment at a time, taking this world as it is and not as I would have it. Trusting that you, and that's a capital Y talking about God, trusting you will make all things right if I surrender to your will so that I may be reasonably happy in this life and supremely happy with you forever in the next one. And how beautiful is that? And, and I mean, how bad is it that we stop before we even really get to the good stuff in that serenity prayer by Reinhold? <laughs> so what can you control? I mean, we just got through talking for five minutes about, you know, quit worrying about things you can't control. What can we control? You're not going to like it. You're not going to like it. That's why we don't do it. What can we control? Your thoughts. Your thoughts. And a lot of people, oh, I can't control what I think. I, I, actually, you can. You know why? Because God said you could. Because God said to, to think about things that are worthy. Think about things that are noble. Think about things that are righteous. Think about things that are good. If you weren't able to control your thoughts, God wouldn't have said all of that. You can control what you think. It's just so much easier to, to use the excuse, oh, I can't control what I think, so I'll just think about all these bad things. But no, it, now it takes some practice. There's no doubt about it. You're not going to be good at it you know, right away, but you can control your thoughts. You know what else you can control? Your tongue. Your tongue. You know, everybody's felt that feeling inside that you just feel like you have to say something or you're going to blow up. You will not blow up if you keep your mouth shut. Okay? It's not going to happen. And I think social media has exacerbated that to the nth degree because, get this, you know when you're scrolling through social media, whether it's Facebook, Instagram, and you see something you don't like, you know what you can do? You can keep scrolling. You do not have to get into an argument with everything and everybody over all the time. Just keep going. It doesn't matter. You can't control what they're going to do, and you're not going to change their mind by arguing with them about it. And as a matter of fact, it's just, you know, who was it? Was it like Mark Twain that said, don't argue with the, uh, what is it? Don't argue with a pig because it likes the mud or something like that? I don't remember. What can you control? Control your thoughts and control your tongue. And you're really not going to like this one. You know what else you can control? Your attitude. You can control your attitude. Oh, and by the way, I have bifocals now, so if I fall off the stage, just if I need CPR, just make sure it's a girl, okay? Because Mitch would take a picture and put it on social media if it was a guy. You can control your attitude. You, <laughs> okay, I won't, I promise. You can control your attitude. And I know, and I didn't know where in this message did I say, you know what's easy? Controlling your thoughts, controlling your tongue. Controlling the words you use and controlling your attitude. I never said that any of this was easy. Do you know what you can do? Man, focus on what you can control. You can't control other body, anybody else's attitude, but you try, right? We all do. We can't control what somebody else says. We can't control a lot of what's going on in the world today. But you know, we can control our thoughts, our words, and our attitudes. Control those things if you want to learn how to remain resilient, to be able to keep going without quitting, even when it's tough. The third thing, three out of five. We've talked about caring something other than yourself, you know, believing in something bigger than yourself and applying yourself to that, focusing on what we can control, 
And this one right here, if you want to be able to keep going, hope for the best, prepare for the worst. And I know that seems a little bit pessimistic, but listen, the bad part about being so positive, like today, you know, you, you hear these like mantras, you know, they, there's these like little apps that say, you know, oh, well, uh, you know, just go in the morning and tell yourself, you're going to have a great day. Nothing bad's going to happen today and blah, blah, blah. And, and that doesn't work. Okay. Mainly because we can't control what other people do. Right. So the bad part of thinking positive in that light is it's unattainable because there's so many things that can go wrong every day. If things don't go perfectly, just like you, you know, talk to yourself in the mirror that morning. Oh, everything's going to go great. Nobody's going to get mad at me. Nobody's going to say something mean. Everybody's going to drive at least 55 between here and Kiowa. It's not going to happen. Or between here and Elizabeth. Oh, my gosh. I did control myself the other day because I did not take a picture of the speedometer at 38 miles an hour. I just decided, you know what? I'm just going to enjoy this drive. So I did. I just enjoyed the drive, got out, walked, <laughs> you know. Stop by, set, you know, set up a lemonade stand to quench fish. <laughs> oh, my gosh. Hope for the best, prepare for the worst. You know, the great Roman emperor Marcus Aurelius said this. When you wake up in the morning, tell yourself, the people I will deal with today will be meddling, ungrateful, arrogant, dishonest, jealous, and surly. And you know what? You'd probably be pretty close, especially if you work in the public sector, right? Especially if you work in restaurants or, you know, sales or something like that. Oh, my gosh. Nobody's ever happy. I went to a, I went to a, uh, well, I've, I've come to realize something about the world is that if you want to see the worst in people, go to anything dealing with animals that has the word show in it. Dog show, horse show, cat show, livestock show, something. Oh, my gosh. These people lose their ever mind, loving minds. I never knew that a chihuahua would be so important, okay? I mean, just people losing their ever-loving minds over, I guess, uh, maybe it's silly to me, but it's just not worth it, right? But if you take Marcus Aurelius's advice when you wake up in the morning, tell yourself the people I'll deal with today will be meddling, ungrateful, arrogant, dishonest, jealous, and surly, that's probably pretty true, and you're going to be prepared for it. You can hope for the best, prepare for the worst, and then when it happens, you'll be like, well, I was ready for it. It's not catching me by surprise, right? But did you know that Jesus kind of said the same thing? Believe it or not, Jesus kind of said the same thing in Matthew 10, 16. He says, look, I am sending you out as sheep among wolves, so be as shrewd as snakes and harmless as doves. Hope for the best, prepare for the worst. And, you know, he, he's not saying that we, we should be sheep where we're, we're just stupid. And I know I shouldn't use that word. We're not supposed to be stupid like sheep. If you've ever worked sheep, just... Mm, mm, mm. So we're not just supposed to be dumb and, and be helpless. That's not what he's saying. I think what he's saying is we must balance wisdom and vulnerability while looking to our shepherd for guidance in order to remain resilient. Yes, hope for the best. Prepare for the worst. Don't be surprised when things don't go your way. You've got to remain resilient. Anybody can keep going when it's easy, but it takes somebody with resiliency to keep going when somebody pukes in your mouth and you're trying to save somebody's life, whenever you're going down and you're dead tired from building an orphanage or whatever the case may be. Care about something more than yourself. Focus on what you can control. Hope for the best. Prepare for the worst. And here's the thing. 
The next one. I know I don't really like this either, but that doesn't mean it's not true. The struggle is your friend. The struggle is your friend. Because we should not shy away from hard things. It's those things that make us who we were meant to be. You know, um, about three years ago, it's one of Robert's favorite stories. Me and him were out at his place um, by ourselves, and it was early, early spring when it still kind of had a nip in the air. And the very first calf we tried to tag, his mama didn't like me much, and she put me into the creek, like scuba dive into the creek completely underwater, swimming, breaststroke, creek, right? And it was about 55 degrees with a, about a 15-mile-an-hour wind, and I was out there for the next three hours. And, you know, honestly, if I would have told Robert, Robert, I can't do this, man, I'm, I'm freezing, I'm freezing. And so for the next three hours, the worst part was I was getting cramps in my jaw from shivering, and I had cramps running up and down my back from riding horses and stuff like that. I had to stop three times. I think my boots still have some water in them. I mean, I was soaked to the bone. And if I had asked Robert, Robert, you know, we're about the same size. Man, can we ride back to the house and you know, get me some dry clothes on? He would have said absolutely. But I didn't. And I didn't complain about it. I just kept going. If I'm looking funny, it's because my phone is vibrating in my butt right now. It's my dad. Like, Dad, you know what I do for a living? Hello? <laughs> uh, yeah, I'm preaching. Yeah, I talked about you. Yeah, okay, I'll call you back. He wasn't on there. I was joking. He'd hung up. He'd hung up. But the struggle is your friend. I mean, like, w w like courage is contagious. When, when you keep going... And, and the process of overcoming pain and struggle makes us those we've lived something meaningful. I mean, keep going, guys. I know how tough it is. I, I, don't, I don't know what you're going through, but keep going. Don't give up. Don't quit. Because everything is contagious. Quitting is contagious, but you know what? So is courage. The courage to keep going. And you know what? Somebody's going to be watching on whether or not you quit, and you're not going to have any idea that they are. You're not going to have any idea that somebody is watching to see how you're going to handle this. You don't have to handle it perfectly, but just keep going. Keep going because once you get through it, man, you'll feel so much better about yourself. And the next time, you'll be less likely to quit. Everything is contagious. Quitting and courage. You get to choose which one you will become a master at, or maybe better yet, which one will master you. And finally. Listen, if you want to develop that sense of resiliency, to be able to remain resilient in the face of adversity, in the face of struggle, when everything seems like it's just set against you, listen, you were not meant to do this life alone. You were not meant to do this life alone. The final key in resiliency is the reliance on others that are living the same struggles as you are. There is nowhere in the New Testament when it talks about the ecclesia, the body of believers, there's nowhere in the New Testament that says that you were meant to do this alone. You were not. You're not meant to do it alone. That's why we are all here together. That's why we, we meet, you know, and, and I, I get it. You know, I've, I've heard, well, I just really don't like the, uh, what, what's the word? Uh, organized religion. I don't like organized religion. I'm not going to be a part of that. Well, you know who the wolves usually pick off is the one by itself, right? 
Man, we were meant to help each other. Y'all, y'all do not know how much y'all have helped me on a daily basis. Y'all have made me better, and I hope that on some level, at some point in time, that I might be able to repay the favor. But not just between me and y'all. It's the people sitting in front of you, behind you, next to you. You were not meant to do this life alone. Belonging to a group of believers is the strength of the church. And I'm not talking about a church building or a you know First Baptist Church or First United Methodist Church. And I'm not even really talking about Save the Cowboy. I'm talking about the group of Christians that are all focused on living their lives for the will and way and mission of Jesus Christ. But listen, I'm not immune to what I'm fixing to say. I'm not immune to what I'm fixing to say. But I think that a lot of us really need this resiliency because we've kind of gone lax a little bit. We've kind of gone lax. We've grown lax in our faith, in our service, and maybe even in our grace and mercy. Sometimes I wonder, is your fire going out? Is your fire going out? Well, you're not alone. But Jesus actually addressed this in Revelations 2.4. Jesus says, but I have this complaint against you. But I have this complaint against you. He said, and he didn't say like he's mad. He's not saying like, well, now you're going to go to hell. He's not saying anything like that. He's just saying, look, man, look, I, 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 know, I know what you've been going through, but I, but I have this complaint against you. You don't love me or each other like you did at first. Does that fit you? Is that true? Does, does that kind of strike a, a nerve that, because I know it does in me. I know it does in me. Man, you want to talk about stepping on my own toes? That fits me, guys. And if it fits me, I think it's kind of likely that maybe one or two of y'all felt kind of the same thing that you've kind of heard in your heart. Jesus' words when he says, but I have this complaint against you. You don't love me or each other. You once did. Why is that? 